Welcome back to the Marvel Movie Minute, a daily podcast which we explore the films of the Marvel Cinematic Universe one minute at a time. In this, our fourth season, we're looking at Kenneth Branagh's 2011 film, Thor. I'm Matthew Fox from TheEthicalPanda.com. And I'm Andy Nelson from The Next Real Film Podcast. And today we're talking about Minute 19, which begins with Thor and friends standing on a cliff looking out over Jotunheim and ends with a bright light appearing in the sky in front of them. Uh, to our guests, happy Thor's Day. Uh, returning once again, we have Chrissy Lenz and Nathan Blackwell from the most excellent 80s movie podcast. And in honor of today being Thor's Day, Thursday as the uh, mortals call it, what is your favorite Thor moment from any movie, any uh, source? Could be Babysitter's Club, whatever it is. What When you think Thor, what's the first moment that comes to mind? Uh, for me, it's probably Thor Ragnarok um, when he is um, talking to Valkyrie across the cage. Um, when he's trying to compliment her and he's doing a bad job of it. And that just kind of, you know, that that to me is a seminal moment in terms of of just the comedy shift that that the whole Thor storyline has kind of taken. And I'm definitely all about that. Agree, except for like, uh, uh, totally still Ragnarok, but it's that moment where he's dangling on the chain and he drifts away and then he's like, wait, Wait till I come back around. <laughs> like, mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah, I'm not even doing anything. <laughs> no, no. <laughs> yeah, that that's one of those few moments where it was somewhat spoiled in the trailers, but it was still so much better even in the execution. I loved it. It was. You talked yesterday about Thor kind of being kind of arrogant at first, and that to me is what really kind of started off Thor Ragnarok. Like, this is going to be a different Thor. Mm-hmm. Don't worry about it. So we're going to get right into this minute in just yeah. a minute. We just love the artwork that we have for the show this season with the Bifrost that Matthew and I are traveling through. This show art is now available in our merch store. If you go to truestory.fm slash Marvel Movie Minute and you click on merch, you can find t-shirts, you can find mugs, pillows, all sorts of stuff that has our logo on it. Again, just head over to the online store, truestory.fm slash Marvel Movie Minute and click on merch. So this is a really fun minute to talk about because there are literally only two two <laughs> lines of dialogue. Uh, literally six words are spoken in this entire minute. And yet I feel like so much is said. <laughs> and so much is not said. Yes. Let's also, <laughs> let's also make sure we point that out. <laughs> we'll talk about the script. In a, in a little too definitely yeah but yeah so what what did you all notice in this minute that's pretty much mostly that i shouldn't say silence because there's very stirring music but definitely no dialogue the vibe i definitely got was that this is again it's like the young princes out on their first like road trip and it's like i'm not gonna i'm not gonna ask the bartender for alcohol you do it you do it like they're just a they're, mm-hmm. they're confident in themselves, but not in the situation. They're just still a little green, and you can see that. Or in in um, uh, is it Hogan? Is that that how how he's pronounced? Yeah, yep, Hogan the Grim. Yeah, Hogan is like we shouldn't be here, and then Loki is like, oh shoot, and you can see it in his eyes, like he feels a little over his head, you know. Yeah, that's one thing we're definitely going to talk about when when we get to that in terms of what is he thinking in that moment. It, so the first question I though have is where are they going? Like yeah. it, it looks when they first look out, it just looks like bleakness in every direction. Right. No one's looking at a map. Right. No one's looking at a map. They don't have any any sort of compass or anything that they can that points right. them in the right direction. Five hundred feet. Turn it, right. right. Yeah. There's yeah. there's no uh, Siri giving them directions. 
it's it's <laughs> I don't know. I have so so many questions about Heimdall and the way that he operates the Bifrost. Like, does he did he say this is another way I'm going to stick it to Thor? I'm going to put them right on the edge of a cliff. <laughs> I'm going to put them on the yeah, other the other continent. side of the planet. <laughs> like, how how does that work? Like, how specific can can he get when he's operating the Bifrost? Like, could he have, in fact, deposited them right there in the central plaza in the middle of the city? Or is that kind of off limits because you're not supposed to do that in, in, in town limits? Like, I, I don't know. It's, it's so confusing to me. I mean, we know that when the, the Bifrost goes to Midgard, it can go to either Scandinavia or New Mexico. So clearly it's not just like pointing. It's not just like Bifrost station on every right. planet. Yeah, so. right. The yeah. blue line. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so so they start walking, and one of the first things I noticed is, first of all, they're on that cliff, and there's just this huge, vast, I guess it's a valley, but it just looks empty. And and then there's kind of, st- it's ice uh, formations, but it looks to me kind of like stalactites and stalagmites. And the whole thing, it makes me think of a cave. Yeah. You know, this doesn't look like a verdant planet by any mm-hmm. means. Yeah, it look, looks like Kazakh Doom from Lord of the Rings, yeah. you know, in the winter. Well, yeah. and it's interesting because, and I guess this is what they were going for. And it's it's hard to tell because it is so dark. Like this section of the film we're going to be watching, I mean, it's dark, it's blues and grays, and a lot of it is really hard to identify. But I, my guess is what the idea with these big, what look like stalactites uh, or stalagmites really kind of coming up out of the ground is that they're actual former structures, former buildings. Like if you look at the one across the way from this cliff that they're standing on, there's actually an arch mm. carved into it. So it was part of a building. And so we're, we're, we've landed amidst the ruins is basically what we're meant to get. It's just so hard to tell. Mm. And I think if it wasn't yeah. for kind of, kind of exploring the film this way, I don't think I ever would have realized that they're kind of on the edge of what, uh, you know, you would in the comics call Yoten City. Um, like, you know, the Jotuns are the, the, the being, the people from Jotunheim, uh, which is interesting because in the, in the mythology, all giants came from Jotunheim, not just frost giants, the Marvel cinematic or Marvel really kind of made it. It's just very frost giants only, uh, no earth giants, no sea giants. It's just frost giants here. Um, but they're walking toward a Jotun city is what I, I guess, or, or from the fringes of it into the downtown area. Yeah, and I love that as they're walking, you can literally see kind of the 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 ice, the sit, the, the ruins crumbling around them. And Kenneth Branagh said in the commentary track, he wanted the world to look kind of sad and angry and desolate. You know, he wanted this to look like a people who had been so thoroughly defeated and now were hold they they were both like very broken, but also still had all of that anger and resentment and just kind of like built up. Almost like it looks both sad, but also looks like yeah, these are people who are not they they feel defeated, but they're not going to want to be trifled with any further. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, and and as they do walk, I mean, you do you will see, and, and perhaps it's only because the buildings have fallen down. Like I'm not actually sure, but uh, you know, twenty five ish seconds in, you see a shot, and through like in the distance, you actually see the twin towers uh, back there that are. Uh, Lofi's, you know, the, the, his main hall, I, I think it's called Utgard Hall in the comics. I don't think it's ever identified here, but, um, in the town of Utgard, which is, I guess, where we are. Um, but 
So I guess to that end, to answer your question, um, that's, I guess, how they know where they're going is they're walking toward the, the towers off in the distance. Yeah, you can see them like around 50 seconds. You can see them crossing a bridge and then you can kind of see just a bit of a structure, uh, the general outline of, of a city path, yeah. Yeah. you know? Yeah. And we had seen like when we, back when, when uh, very early in the film, when we we're in Odin's uh, flashback, um, you could see that there were roads and buildings and all sorts of stuff here. So yeah, this really is just kind of like the the remnants of what once was possibly a great uh, frost giant city here. Right. Now, of course, in there we get uh, the only dialogue in this minute with Hogan saying we shouldn't be here, and Thor just kind of ignoring that and just saying, you know, like let's let's move ahead. We should get going. What what do you got to take from that little exchange? Just that, you know, he's letting, Thor is letting his his arrogance and his kind of, you know, um, uh, his quest lead the way while everyone else is kind of having second thoughts. Like, they're taking in the actual environment and situation that they see in front of them, and and uh, Thor is kind of letting that, that arrogance guide him. Thor is the opposite of Loki, as we said um, you know, a couple of days ago where Loki is always evaluating the situation, adapting to the situation and changing the plan as he goes along. Thor can't do that. He can't do the mental pivot. So he's <laughs> like, I decided this. This is what it's going to be. Right. And at no point will I change direction or change my mind or allow new information to um, to make me rethink because Thor put his foot down, you know, and this is what we're going to do. And, and, you know, he's not as flexible um, or as I think aware even. Well, it's, it's sort of like what he said in Thor Ragnarok. I make grave mistakes all the time. Things, things seem to work out. (laughs) (laughs) Yep. That's his his chick. But in this one, it's less, he's less, he's even less self-aware of that Mm -hmm. fact. And it's just like, I said, we were doing this. We're doing it. Like, Mm-hmm. Yeah, absolutely. Well, and I, I wonder if in his mind, is he still coming here, as he said earlier, just to talk, just to ask them some questions? Or, I mean, I feel like he is, he is acting so warlike at this point. Like, I feel like he's not necessarily thinking about that at this point. Like, he really seems to, like, dead set on mm-hmm. a confrontation. Yeah, no, he's riding yeah. his wave of STP. He's got that something to prove train and he's just you know gonna ride it all the way to town <laughs> mm-hmm. yeah, yeah he he was raised on these stories of of glory and battle and and victory through through war you know and he sees himself as the heir and con, 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 you know continuation of that kind of like you know legendary stories yeah and you don't choose a cape with shoulders that wide if you don't plan to <laughs> right. really carry through on all your yeah. I, I mean, he's quite literally the hammer that's looking for a nail, you know, mm-hmm. where just he's not thinking any other terms. And I also get the sense of I, I follow sports a lot. And to me, this is like the 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 athlete who was just at the high school level was just crushing everyone and is just so used to winning without even thinking about it. And now all of a sudden they're in college and everyone is as good as they are and they're just having trouble adjusting. You know, that's kind of like mm-hmm. Thor is the one who always wins on the the practice battlefield. They've had some other battles that have all been pretty easy. 
And he's yeah, like kind of like what you're saying, Chrissy. Like he he's just like, nope, I'm I'm I know my mission. I'm not gonna think about it. But in the back of his head, I think you're starting to see the doubts already. Mm-hmm. And so why is it Hogan that speaks up? Uh, is it just because we haven't heard him speak much? Or I feel like he's kind of been presented as the most reasonable of the other three. Mm-hmm, and that yeah. Falstrag just loves him uh, food and Fandral just loves himself. Yeah, and throwing out other lines. And, and it would have come off of an interaction with all three of them in the script where Thor, or as soon as they land, Volstagg basically falls backward off this cliff. He loses his footing. Thor grabs him by the belt and and says, come on, big fella, up, and then, and then pulls him back up to the top. And Volstagg says, this belt, this belt is now my lucky belt. I will never remove it, even when bathing. And Fandral says, you bathe? Uh, and, and then Hogan comes uh, in with being the more serious, we shouldn't be here. And I feel like, mm-hmm. again, this was a moment where just like Kenneth Branagh, he probably said, yeah, we don't need any of that. That's just not what yeah. I want to do with this movie here. Let's just start with the Hogan line and we'll come in with that. And so I think that's why <laughs> why we have Hogan saying that line, um, which works much more uh, appropriately for the kind of the somberness that we have in this moment. Like all of that silliness would have just yeah. felt so out of place. There's so much conveyed in terms of like the 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 fear and the slow building. I think yeah, if you had that slapstick, it would be totally out of place. And and then it would have continued too, because even after Hogan says we shouldn't be here, and Thor says too late now, Fandral says actually it's not. We could turn right around, hop back to Asgard, share a mug by the fire. Could be nice. And and then Thor and Loki kind of continue uh, kill these guys. It's, it's like ah, <laughs> oh, they just keep going. Like it just it doesn't yeah. end. Thor and Loki are like, oh, let's you know, let's we can gauge, we can survey, and all this stuff. And Volstagg mm-hmm. is like, I like that. And it's and then Sif finally is just like, he's just got to swing his hammer. Which I mean, really, that really I think <laughs> all is conveyed <laughs> by Thor just saying, mm-hmm. let's move and ignoring everything else. Yeah. Mm-hmm. No, and I, I, I think there's something there, too, especially because I think you're right. All that slapstick would have been nonsense. But instead, we do get that one shot of Fandral. We actually get two of him first just kind of looking around. But then after that exchange with Hogan, he's the one who kind of, you know, it's sort of like he's in that place of, well, I think Thor's wrong, but we, what are we going to do, you know? And I, I feel like, again, that said so much about the relationship all three of them have with Thor. Yeah, I mean, as we've been talking about, since since he somehow convinced them to come, right? Like, his mm-hmm. his logic that he pitched to each of them as to why they should come, I mean, that speaks to, like, the way that he sells them. Like, there's no logic in, in any of that, but somehow they're all here, and they're like, yeah, should have thought better about that, but Thor's here, so I'll keep going. He's the big, charismatic, like, tall, attractive one among them you know and it's again it's like a a group of college friends it's like you've got the de facto leader who obviously sounds like he's in charge you know Mm -hmm. very much so one other thing i really like that jumped out at me in this minute is that as we're walking along we we start to get into this place where you know they, they were starting to see the city and there's this great shot of first of all them kind of like we see them kind of looking through two of the big ice sculptures and kind of down into the valley. And for me, it gave me the feeling of like people are watching them. 
You know, it mm-hmm. felt very much like the position of someone up there that can't be seen who's watching them walk in. Did you did you get any of that same sense? Yeah, for sure. And, and you know, I even spent my time not watching the characters, but seeing if I could see someone in the shadows, if there were if there were people spying down on them. It's it's an interesting journey. And I, I, I think that that's actually um, a valid point that I think certainly um, speaks to the way that Brana chose to shoot it because it does feel like there it, it feels very isolating like it's just these little tiny six figures like deep in the the far distance uh, that we're seeing in these incredibly wide shots that are designed in a way which does make you feel like they're being watched and and we do also get that one shot where you, we commented before about how it's all this world of grays and ice and blue and black and white, and then the redness of Thor's cape. Like, this is a man who the concept of camouflage has no meaning whatsoever. <laughs> nope, nope. He's got to just... It's a smaller red cape. <laughs> That's his disguise. <laughs> <laughs> definitely they definitely i feel like the the colorists like they really pop those reds because that cape always just really shines through definitely and so of course then it ends with just this little kind of like a bright light appearing in the sky uh in between the two ice sculptures that they're walking towards and i don't think i would have even caught it if it, we hadn't like stopped there and i think uh andy am i right th- this is the sun of that world yeah i think I think what we're seeing here right at the end of the shot, um, coming from behind, uh, and again, I'm just assuming that this is Utgard Hall that we're looking at there, um, which is, again, we're seeing that bridge where we last saw Odin defeating Lofi up on that bridge um, and taking the casket. So we end seeing the tower in the distance with the arch over it. And yeah, then I'm assuming that this is the sun of the Jotunheim sun that is shining down on them. And what I find so interesting about it is just how blue all of the sunlight and everything looks here. Because even with the sun shining full light of day, it, I mean, it is a cold, dark planet. Yeah, I mean, when they first arrived, I thought this was nighttime. Yeah. You know, and they were just kind of the Hollywood thing of nighttime is always very brightly lit compared to what it actually is. But it it was really striking to me. You realize, no, that's the sun. This is like daytime. Yeah, which is cool. I think that's really cool to make a, a planet with the sun up that still is so cold and dark. Definitely. Mm-hmm. All right. So as we start to wrap up, any other last things folks folks noticed? I don't think so. I, 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 what I appreciate most about the being able to kind of really walk through the minute this way uh, and just kind of look at all the elements is I think this was probably the first time I actually was noticing like the city elements in all of these mm, shots. Like yeah. it always felt just like, you know, these columns, like the, as you said, kind of stalactite, stalagmite, very cave-like. Uh, I don't think I ever really pinpointed that much that, oh, these are ruins. I mean, there are a few moments where you see what looks like clearly like actual columns from buildings. I'm like, okay, those are buildings. But you start realizing, oh, these are all mm. crumbled buildings. And it's actually interesting to kind of see that. It would have been it would have been cool if they had had instead of th- there's like maybe a shot that they could have got rid of. um, Like at. 50 seconds where they're already past the bridge. And so we recognize we see a bridge. It would have been nice to then instead see them walk by actual like crumbled buildings, you know, like a little closer and you actually see a little more detail on a destroyed city. Yeah. Right. Yeah. 
I think that would have been cool. And that would have been a little more complicated, um, you know, of that feeling like, yeah, there's this great power, this great evil that we're supposed to vanquish. Maybe they're not that great after all. Yeah, right. I, I think that's a good point, especially because uh, and I think, Andy, you brought this up in our notes. When you really think about it, like earlier, Odin sort of made it seem like this, you know, peace deal had been made between the two sides on kind of equal terms, even though the the Asgardians had won. Now this looks like it's very clearly like these these are the conquered people, yeah, right. you know, and that the the uh, casket of win- of eternal winter was a huge part of what was sustaining their world, and that's been taken away. You know, this looks like a you know a country that's been paying reparations for hundreds of years, and their all their resources are just gone. And it, it I, I think it's kind of you have to stop and think about it to think about those terms because the more you do that, the more you realize, wait, this I kind of might even feel a little sympathy for these folks. Yeah, I mean, it's, it, and I'm glad you brought that up because I, I had forgotten. But it's it's like, what kind of deal was that to make between Odin and Laufey that where where Odin gets to keep the casket, knowing that the casket is basically as as it's depicted in the film, that casket needs to be on this planet in order for Jotunheim to not be destroyed and slowly fall into pieces, which is what's happening. And and the fact that Laufey has just been sitting here in his throne not worrying too much about that it's it's strange to me seems like a bad deal <laughs> marvel does a good job of that all around the like you know from you could take that to black panther too of like having you be so fully on one side of the story and then be like oh no there are shades of gray like there's wrongness on both sides there's no pure good pure bad you know and you you can realize that the the you know, and it's so often the fathers, right? The fathers have made these mistakes in the past. That's, I mean, I think that's very true. Uh, what I find interesting and then perhaps frustrating with this film is the fact that Laufey is largely treated as just a mustache twirling villain. Like he's not given a better sense of depth. And I think that's what makes it more frustrating for me is I'd like to have gotten more from Laufey than that. Yeah, I, I think part of it's because the thought was that that would be too much for the movie because Loki is really supposed to be the morally complex, we're not sure where he falls villain. And and I think it would have been great and very brave for them to do that with two different characters. But in some way, I feel like we just, we don't quite get that. Yeah, they weren't quite ready to write a script that complicated. Yeah. Definitely. There was too much cape. They're like, we'll let the cape tell the story. <laughs> it's the cape bigger. <laughs> All right, well, as always, to our two guests, thank you all so much. For people who want to catch up with more of what you're doing, tell them again where they can find you. I've just recently wrapped our first live show uh, at the Neighborhood Comedy Theater, and we are looking forward to doing more uh, live recordings of the most excellent 80s movies podcast. Um, please download us and thumbs up us and like us and and find us at uh, Most Excellent Pod. Great. And can they, if they want to find you on social media, like Twitter or places like that, can they look for Most Excellent Pod? Yep, exactly. Perfect. All right. Well, thank you both so much. Thank you to all of our listeners for being a great part of this and have a great day. Until next time, true believers. Marvel Movie Minute is a production of True Story FM, engineering by Andy Nelson. This season's music is One Last Ride by Martin Puringer. Find the show at truestory.fm. And if your podcast app allows ratings and reviews, consider doing that for this show. 